May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. We continue our conversation now. Uh, we uh, thank Jackie Combs for coming on to talk about the Israel-Palestine situation and this drama uh, with regard to electing a new Speaker of the House. Uh, again, I repeat, I-, I hope Democrats don't regret not sticking with the devil that they know. More about that in the days ahead. We continue now, though, talking about Israel and uh, and uh, Palestine more exactly, more expressly, Israel and Hamas. Uh, the uh, the uh, destruction continues. Hundreds of people, thousands, in fact, now on both sides, as I said earlier, are the killed, injured, missing, uh, abducted. Uh, Nura Arakat is a Rutgers professor, a Palestinian human rights attorney, and the author of Justice for Some, Law and the Question of Palestine. She joins us now to offer her insights and perspective on the uh, unfolding events in the region. In case you did not hear this, in case you just tuned in, uh, certainly uh, Nura did not hear it, at least on this program, because you heard it yesterday. But just a, just a small slice of what uh, President Biden had to say yesterday, and we'll jump into our conversation with Professor Arakat. Uh, play the clip, Miles. The bloody hands of the terrorist organization Hamas, a group whose stated purpose for being is to kill Jews. This was an act of sheer evil. More than 1,000 civilians slaughtered, not just killed, slaughtered in Israel. Among them, at least 14 American citizens killed. Parents butchered using their bodies to try to protect their children. Stomach-turning reports of babies being killed. Entire families slain. Young people massacred while attending a musical festival to celebrate peace. Women raped, assaulted, paraded as trophies. Families hid their fear for hours and hours, desperately trying to keep their children quiet to avoid drawing attention. And thousands of wounded, alive but carrying with them the bullet holes and the shrapnel wounds and the memory of what they endured. You all know these traumas never go away. There's still so many families desperately waiting to hear the fate of their loved ones, not knowing if they're alive or dead or hostages, infants in their mother's arms, grandparents in wheelchairs, Holocaust survivors abducted and held hostage, hostages whom Hamas has now threatened to execute in violation of every code of human morality. This is terrorism. But sadly, for the Jewish people, it's not new. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. Professor Erekat, as I mentioned, you are a Palestinian human rights attorney. When you heard the president's remarks yesterday, you processed them how? I have to tell you, I have not heard such a horrible press briefing from a Democratic president in an amazingly long time. The fact that the U.S. actually provides Israel as its primary supporter and benefactor with unequivocal military, financial, and diplomatic support, the fact that it has issued 43 vetoes in the Security Council to protect Israel against any kind of accountability, that it has appended any kind of international resolution to this conflict, the fact that it knows that Israel is an apartheid regime, as declared by a consensus of uh, international and Israeli human rights organizations in 2020, and then to come out now and to erase that entire context 
and to transform in a very perverse, warmongering, dangerous way that this is a bloodlust terrorist attack against Jewish people is making our world so dangerous. The U.S. has been part of the problem that sustained the condition of Palestinian subjugation. And now what we're seeing is a ratcheting up instead of the president saying we take responsibility for a failure to resolve this conflict, for emboldening an apartheid regime to harm Palestinians day in and day out in an untenable situation. We heard the president say, let us kill more Palestinians. Let us dehumanize them. And also there are so many racist tropes that you heard that play on American, you know, already racialized conceptions of Muslims. Since 911, especially, we have racialized Muslims as dangerous, warmongers, fanatic, not having a politics. And you heard all those tropes by this president. And we are being deliberately, I want to share this with your listeners so that they're aware, we are being deliberately desensitized to the mass killing of Palestinians. They have been killed for now 75 years, occupation for 56 years, siege for 16 years. Only in the past few days, the Israeli army placed a tightened siege around the Gaza Strip, which is 365 square kilometers, prevented a humanitarian corridor for civilians to exit, bombed the Rafah crossing that borders Egypt, and has pummeled the Gaza Strip with carpet bombing. They've even attacked UN schools that have been providing shelter to 187,000 Palestinians who have nowhere to escape to. And because of the rhetoric of this president, who should be as the American you know, leader in, in the world, where he should be helping us land to get to a place where we are not seeing more death. Instead, we hear an American president support the only nuclear power in the Middle East to kill Palestinians in vengeful killings without regard to the atrocities that we're bearing witness to. Uh, as you noted, I did not interrupt, uh, as is my custom. Uh, I don't be, believe in talking over people. I wanted you to get your, 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 your baseline points out, and you did. Let me now start to interrogate that with a couple of questions. Uh, let me start with this. If you accept that there is a distinction, as the president made yesterday in his remarks, if you accept, Professor Eric, that there's a distinction between Hamas and the Palestinian people, does any of what you just said justify what Hamas did the other day? Well, let me be clear. The distinction that I make between civilians and any governing authority is the distinction that I would make on legal, moral, religious grounds. Mm -hmm. Under no circumstances do we target civilians because of their elected leadership. Israel elected a far-right fascist government. Nobody justified the targeting of Israeli civilians. The U.S. Bush administration literally waged war against uh, Iraq um, based on the false notion of weapons of mass destruction decimating the country. We have never once, nobody has ever said, go ahead, Americans are, are legitimate targets. So my distinction here between Hamas as a governing party and the Palestinian civilians is in lockstep with that principle mm -hmm. that we do not believe in collective punishment of any people. That said, Hamas is the governing authority of Palestinians. They were elected in 2006 and immediately punished by a debilitating siege by Israel and then later the international community. That's the siege I'm describing, one that kept Palestinians trapped. 2.2 million Palestinians have been trapped. 
in the Gaza Strip, they cannot access chemotherapy without a military permit. Mm. They cannot have access to water, to clean water. Right now, because Israel has limited electricity to the Gaza Strip, one-fourth of all disease in Gaza is a result of a lack of access to hygienic water. They cannot travel freely. They cannot move and have been subject to systematic warfare now four times since 2018. And when Palestinians marched, uh, Tavis, when they marched and they are uh, peacefully in 2018, the largest civil rights protest or human rights, you know, agitation and nonviolent means, they were shot, 40,000 of them were marching against the militarized Gaza perimeter. They were shot down like birds by Israeli snipers. Nope, I, nope, I, 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 I hear your point loud and clear, and I don't mean to cut you off. I just got to do this right quick, and we'll continue when we come forward. Um, my role here is to make sure that this audience hears both sides, and there are two sides here. And because of the U.S.'s cozy relationship with Israel, which I understand, um, and this audience understands that anybody stuck on stupid, we have a cozy relationship with Israel. Um, we often don't hear the other side, and so I wanted to make sure that this audience, of course, today hears the other side. You'll continue hearing the other side when we come forward with Professor uh, Nura Arakat of Rutgers University uh, on Tavis Mount. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like Use us directly. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. I once asked Rush Limbaugh many years ago, I asked Rush, Rush, why don't you ever have persons on to debate with you? Why don't you ever let the other side get heard on your program? And Rush looked at me and said, Tavis, I am equal time. I've never forgotten that. I am equal time. And so I raise that because we oftentimes in this country don't give equal time to the other side of the argument. Uh, and so I'm, I'm delighted to have Professor Nira Arakat from uh, Rutgers um, to offer another perspective on this. Let me just ask you, though, watching my time here, so now I can't let you filibuster now. i got to ask a few questions and move a, little, move a little more swiftly here, Professor. But let me ask you whether or not we're in the wrong frame. And by we, I mean you in this instance, respectfully. Um, is the frame uh, either or or both and? Here's what I mean by that. Can you not condemn what Hamas did the other day and make the powerful points you've just made at the same time? Can't you do both? You didn't ask me to do that. And I really I really wonder why it is that we're looking for these politics of condemnation. When I say that I want all of us to live, I'm looking for a durable solution. Mm-hmm. When I am protesting against warmongering, I am looking for all of us to survive together. Yes. When I say dismantle Israeli apartheid, I believe that that will lead to a future where all of us can live together. Because in this situation, in this region, there is no military solution to the Palestinian uh, struggle for freedom. We are either all going to die together in mutual destruction or we're all going to live together in some sort of cooperation. And I have only advocated in all of my work as a human rights attorney and as a scholar for the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, l- let me ask at this point, um, h- how the world should read that the U.S., to your point, continues unabated uh, in, its, um, in its full support of Israel uh, and not um, ever giving any consideration to the other side. How should the world read that at this point in this crisis? Well, we should read it as any historic colonial and racist situation, right? Even you saying, you're telling your listeners, I have to give to the other side, you're explaining, inviting me onto the program. And it's precisely because as Palestinians, we always get spoken about, 
We always get spoken for, mm-hmm. but we rarely get to speak for ourselves. Mm-hmm. The fact that right now on every mainstream channel, we are seeing reels and reels of, of Israeli families suffering from what's happening to them. Imagine what, the, what Americans might have believed today if they had seen the suffering of Palestinians, if they saw Palestinian mothers grieving their children, mm-hmm. if they saw actual, if they saw us be, be humans, just like everybody else who are struggling for freedom, instead of being referred to as human animals and being desensitized to absolute carnage and catastrophe. I think what we get trained to do, what racism trains us to do, certainly against Palestinians, but certainly against black communities, against indigenous communities, as we've seen Asian communities, it trains us to expect these communities to die Mm. and to become desensitized to their oppression. And so my struggle for Palestinian freedom is actually a broader struggle against racism, full stop. And, and that's why I've been engaged in a number of transnational solidarity movements, mm-hmm. including Black Palestinian Solidarity, which is robust and so inspiring. We'll take a full stop right now and continue when we come forward. Uh, you're listening to Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, 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 this is Tavis Smiley. Sounds, Sounds different. different, huh? This, this is Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Professor uh, Erekat uh, Bibi Netanyahu has made it clear, uh, and these are my words framing what he's already said. Um, at this point, they intend to crush Hamas. When this thing is all said and done, they made it clear that they want to make uh, they want to be certain that Hamas has no um, capability whatsoever to do this ever again. They are intending to crush Hamas, and to that, you say what? I want to ask the audience just to exercise some scrutiny. Hamas is a political party, which means that there are Palestinian members of that political party all over Palestine and all over the world. To the extent that they want to crush the military capacity of Hamas, there are 15,000 fighters in a population of 2.2 million Palestinians who have nowhere to go. So again, this national security rhetoric should be scrutinized. When they say that, there is no particular target. They are about to engage an indiscriminate carpet bombing of the besieged Gaza Strip and 2.2 million Palestinians stuck there. Hamas is the governing party. That means all government buildings in the Gaza Strip, hospitals, schools, and otherwise, are Hamas targets. Where are the Palestinians going to go? For the past, since Hamas became a party in 1987, it didn't exist until 20 years after military occupation and 39 years after Israel's establishment. Israel has tried to militarily decimate Hamas. It has failed because it represents a a current in Palestinian political thought that uses religion and politics in order to agitate for their freedom. The only solution here is a political solution Mm -hmm. and one that aims to establish a permanent peace that features the end of occupation, the lifting of the siege, and a dismantlement of an apartheid system. Let me ask you two questions in the two minutes I have left. Number one, who are the right persons to do that? I've said on this program repeatedly over years, I've said this, Bibi is the wrong person. Netanyahu, as far as I'm concerned, is the wrong person at that table. And at times we've had the wrong person, I think, persons on the other side of the table. So who are the right persons to make that happen? Honestly, Tavis, the U.S. is not a part of is, is part of the problem, and so they need to get out of the way. They have fomented this situation, mm-hmm. and it's not just Bibi Netanyahu. There hasn't been an Israeli leader who's even recognized the Palestinian state, except for one, Ehud Barak, and he actually increased colonial settlements. 
by 100%. As for the other side, the Palestinian side, no matter what leadership we have produced, Israel has said that they have no partner for peace. And so I ask your audience to scrutinize that rhetorical talking mm-hmm. point. For the, Mahmoud Abbas, who's the current leader, since yeah. uh, Arafat died, has done everything that Israel wanted, including including policing Palestinians. And we have not gained an inch of freedom yeah. in the West Bank either. Here's my exit question with uh, 45 seconds to go. I'll give you the last word, of course. Um, when you see uh, a moment like this and the world is lining up, countries all over the globe lining up behind Israel, that makes you feel how? Devastated. I am so disappointed in this humanitarian catastrophe and our failure to this point and our failure moving forward. And I want to tell your listeners that we have a role to play as American taxpayers. We fund these atrocities. We are the source of the solution. We should not allow our tax dollars to be used in this way. Her name is Nira Arakat. She's a professor at Rutgers University. She is a Palestinian human rights attorney, uh, a brilliant spokesperson, as you can tell, and the author of a book called Justice for Some, Law and the Question of Palestine. Professor Arakat, an honor to have you on this program. Thank you for your time. I deeply appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Good to have you on. Hour two of Tavis Smiley, when we come forward.